0: Welcome, Rachel, to the Martial Art Podcast Show. Um, Thanks for joining us today. Uh, So just want to start with just asking you, how how did you get into fencing?
1: Yeah, um, I guess it's not from what I intentionally wanted to do, actually, Um, it's something that they offered at school. So it was one of those, oh, fencing, this sounds really cool. And then my mum signed me up, and it was something I didn't really have a choice for, actually. and she signed me up because she liked the idea of wearing a white kit and a sort of black mask and thought it was really cool so she signed me up and i think i just started at school as a sort of after school club and then it just went from there
2: was that primary school school school?
1: no it was it was secondary school so i was around uh, 11 12, 12 years old and it started off just once a week um for about a good two three years and then um, I think my coach was quite serious so he was like okay why didn't you join the club itself so rather than just doing it at school do it with the club that he had so I started doing that and started doing it twice a week and then afterwards um, I trained and we started doing sort of um, underage sort of um, competitions so sort of you know under I, think, I can't remember the first one I did. It was probably like under 16 or something. Um, And then under 18 and then senior competitions. And that's where I came from, uh, from school.
2: So don't look down on little school clubs. No, (laughs) no, no, definitely. That's where they start. That's where they start. Definitely, that's where they start. Inspiration. Definitely.
1: And I think it's not just um, from school. I think it's also your coach. Uh, If they inspire you, they would want to you'd want to continue. Because I remember doing it at the start and I don't think I was that interested and it felt kind of boring actually because you do all these exercises, you run around, um, you do a bit of footwork and that was, you know, your session finished. I think because fencing can be um, quite technical. So a lot of things at the start was very sort of basic. And I think at the start, I think everyone just wants to go hold a foil and just go fence. But um, I think even the first year or so, it was a lot of just uh, doing exercises um, and doing footwork skills before we actually started fencing each other. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, I guess that's how it started. And I, th- I guess I persisted because um, I think a lot, there are, there can be quite a lot of dropouts at times, I think. Um, if it's, I mean, if it's a sport, it's not for them. Then they just drop out, isn't it? So, But I just persisted, and a few of us did. And it can be quite good fun, I, I guess, when you're in a group of... Uh, the group of friends.
2: The school's quite courageous that you didn't poke each other's eye out. I, I know you've got the mask and you've got the gear and everything, but just have um, sharp objects around. Now, my school was like pedantic, like you have to hold a thermometer in a funny way in case <laughs> we stab each other accidentally with a thermometer in science class. So having foils, like sores around, it's, it's incredible.
1: Yeah, know we, we had to definitely um, go through the sort of the safety and I think safety rules. And I think like the first four weeks. You know we only sort of held a fall from the tip and that was it and that's all we did um i don't think we stabbed anyone or anything um but yeah it is uh the safety rules is really really important i, I think yeah and even now when i teach little kids um we don't really get them to um hold falls or uh, use a falls right at the start just because it can be very unsafe um i think it's quite easy you you, know, you pick up a fall and you start waving around without realizing where you're poking because it's quite a long sort of sword and blade. So yeah, definitely safety is uh, number one.
2: It, it must have happened before, right? Like you pick it up, you walk, turn turn the corner, and you whack someone. Else.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't really think about it. And that's why I think sometimes we say, okay, you know, point always to the floor. And never, whenever we see anyone like have the sort of, you know, you start lifting your, your fall up into the sky, it's like, okay, wait, you know, down again, you know, you don't want to poke someone's eye out. Um, but, it, I mean, it's not sharp, sharp. And there are different types of foils at the start. So, you know, at the start, I don't think we used sort of um, uh, metal blades or anything. It's like plastic. So even if you did hit someone's eye, it's just a rubber sort of material.
2: It, it's funny you mentioned plastic because um, Bear and I, uh, in my garage downstairs, we've been practicing with these, like, plastic kendo swords. Um, pro, um, was it polypropylene? i find it really hard to pronounce it because spell it can't pronounce it but i can't (laughs) pronounce a lot of things always get tongue-tied is it polypropylene Um, (laughs) polypropylene um from cold steel so that that company cold steel they make really good swords but they also make these like plastic swords that um i bought it because they have a a tag unbreakable on it and they're really really cheap as well and they're like full length full size they weigh apparently quite accurate but um uh they're, they're supposedly more durable they, they, they like using oak but oak splinters quite a lot it cracks a lot
0: Ooh.
2: yeah on contact mm-hmm. so these plastic ones don't crack you can really
0: smack each other with it and have and, and fun for that That sounds really. i, nice. I, I still have um, bruises actually from last week they've <laughs> not gone this bruises all on my arms and my chest uh we'll be doing some bit of uh sparring um whoever attacks first wins <laughs> <laughs> like, like, in ginger. our
2: heads, in our heads rachel we're like super cool <laughs> like a black and white movie but if you all (laughs) saw us you'll be like i don't want to know those guys no 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 i can see this already
1: and i think that's super cool i did see this video on youtube um with trying to like compare um i think oh wait i think you sent it to me right Uh, (laughs) um i I was like where did i see that from (laughs) i thought that was really cool actually um
2: i didn't think the kendo guy would have a chance yeah. Um, which is really um uh, offensive i know people like but, because <laughs> well, you know, i didn't say that fencing, <laughs> the, the speed of fencing right because mm. it's like you you're like um, was it the second fastest sport in the olympics the second fastest which one's the um, first <laughs> the first is um shooting so yeah. i don't think anything could be faster than that <laughs> i think the third is badminton i think mm. yeah but the second fastest is um fencing so only slightly slow than, than shooting, like yeah. shooting a bullet. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So, so I didn't think the kendo guy would have a chance. Yeah, because you know you, you'd be darting like straight, but it seemed like the kendo guy did really well. And I watched a lot of these, um, is it Hema Hema videos? Yeah, historical European martial arts, and and kendo seems to do quite well. So to give them a bit more credit. <laughs>
1: yeah, definitely.
2: <laughs> have you tried kendo before?
1: No, I do have a friend who I think um, did it, but I've never, uh, myself. Um, I did do a bit of karate when I was a kid, but that was just for a year or two. Again, I, I think I was i think I was only signed up for it because my cousin was doing it, and so my mum signed me up for that. But it's one of those, you know, I think after school clubs, okay, you know, go off and do something, and rather than sit sit down and watch TV, <laughs> back, back in the old days anyway. Whereas now it's, um, yeah, just... I think kids um they probably do more they probably watch less TV and probably do, do more online gaming I think isn't it it's the
2: trend. Yeah so they're active but they're still glued to the screen. Yeah yeah. Yeah. You got a really cool mom. You have a really cool mom like. <laughs> do yeah. <steps>
1: <laughs> yeah, she, she is um I think she had this ethos of like um as a kid you try out different things. So definitely you know, she was one who encouraged me to try out different sports or different activities when i was a kid so actually if i didn't do fencing i probably would have stuck with fits, uh, swimming so i did swimming for a bit um quite seriously as well um but no fencing became serious only because i think probably my coach so like i said i think the coach really does play a big part at times um with athletes
2: did he have a very good structure
1: um I think structure, but also I think the vision. I think if, for example, like you say, in an off school club, people just think, okay, it was an activity that you know kids go to off school, and it's fair to sort of sort of pass the time and get the kids active. But if the coach has a vision for the kids to actually do well, to compete, to then actually excel and you know take part in sort of international competition, for example it then inspires the kids to be more sort of determined um, and have a sort of a vision of where they want to go. Um, so I think even when I was a kid, I didn't think of anything. I just thought, oh, it's just a sport. And I think it was only my coach who suggested, okay, we'll do these competitions and then we'll move on to do these competitions. So I had had quite a plan for me, I guess, at that time. And I think that helped um, help the progress in my fencing. Um, but I think it helps set the vision for, not just, I guess, myself, but for other people at the club, because I guess we all work in a team, we all train together. So I guess it's kind of infectious.
2: So, yeah. That's amazing. And I know, like, when people always talk about competition for, like, beginners, there's, like, a lot of, like, big introduction and beginners videos, and they always start with the three main categories, so that um foil, epee, and sabre. Yeah, yeah, which do you have one that you favor like that you specialize in? More?
1: Yeah, yeah. so um michael, we we just do foil. Um, but I think most um, fences, they start with foil because it's got sort of got the basic, and then you might then try out different ones. so you might do Sabre at, or Epe, and then you decide to specialize in one usually. Um it's hard, I think, to do uh, more than one really unless obviously you enjoy it or like at university. So universities, I think they do do a variety because I think uh, with universities, um, they expect sort of fences to do all three um, or you don't have enough fences to do do one sort of um, weapon. So you might get one person doing two weapons, for example. So I think I remember when I was um, fencing for my university, um, I did three or three weapons, even though I had not done epe or saber before. And, and there's similarities, but you know, there's a big difference as well. Um, but yeah, I mean it's similar in the sense that well, there's a blade, there's a mask, you've got fencing kit, and you and you move. <laughs> Don't get hit and hit people, you know. Um but yeah, uh, I, I started with foil and I, I suck to foil just because my club only does foil really. So And to be fair, for me anyway, I I much prefer foil um, myself.
2: So the coach from the little after-school club, is it Mm. the same coach that you have now, or did you move clubs a few times?
1: Uh, It's actually the same club. So, wow. uh, Yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of other fences, they might jump around. um, But I guess for me, um, because the coach knows me very well, and I know the coach very well, for me, I just didn't think there was... any sense to move clubs or anything um in, if, in anything actually now uh, my coach we've had another new coach also at the club so I'm under the new coach but it's still the same club and I'm still you know sort of looked after in, in a way by my previous coach uh, but it's sort of yeah I'm still at the same club um, but yeah there are very you know different clubs in the UK and um I've not moved around just because I think living in London, it's just easier to stick to one club.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's quite a long journey, even, really.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, um, it's it started off, you know, like I said, like it's just sort of a hobby, a thing that I did after school. And I think, you know, I would never have seen myself getting to where I am now or where I have been. Um, so yeah it's 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 quite a journey um looking back and you sometimes I think you don't really um think how much you've gone through until you kind of look back and think okay what have I achieved and you think oh wow okay that's that's good like I didn't think of it that way if that makes sense um because when you're just training you just think okay I'm just training I'm just training training but you don't think or look back and think oh well I've achieved this I've done this and I think that's really important sometimes to celebrate your achievements isn't it i think sometimes we can be quite harsh on ourselves or we don't really recognize our own achievements so um yeah it's been a long journey i have to say
2: (laughs) did you um have to do extra sessions before like competition like what's like the most you would train in a week then before competition
1: so um we wouldn't be like okay you know there's competition coming up we're gonna train it's more it has to be quite consistent most of the time So I, the sort of highest numbers I've trained, it's about four sessions a week. And uh, actually just before a competition, it's probably best not to train too much in terms of, you know, a day Mm -hmm. or two days before, you know, you want to rest, for example. But really you should be training, if you've got competition, then you should be at least training maybe about six weeks beforehand so you should be like you have to, so you have a, sort of a competition in mind and you've got to like start training for it um yeah six weeks six weeks in advance i'd say um yeah and then obviously for those who are training for sort of higher level or going away abroad um you might be training way way before that you know going to camps international camps um and there's also also different types of training isn't it i think it depends on the season so when uh, i think september is when the season starts we have a lot of competitions sort of september october november december time that's when like okay you just train and you just maintain um your fitness fit and maintain sort of the fencing level whereas i think uh usually what we do at our club we sort of From February onwards so that's where that's very less conditions we start training maybe for example doing weight session um, sort of building skills from February until the summer so it's sort of you have to strategically sort of think okay when's how to train and you know what's what training is good for you depending on the competition competitions that come up
2: four times a week sounds very achievable for a training program
1: yeah yeah. I think to to maintain, yeah, for sure, yeah. And then two-hour session. Yeah, two three hours. It depends. Yeah.
2: Oh, see, see, bear. That's the catch. <laughs> yeah, that's the catch. Two though. three hours. Because <laughs> because me and bear was like nodding like ooh, ooh, two hours but like you know four sessions we can do that we could do that and he said three hours like oh hang on. <laughs> wait a minute
1: wait a minute <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it definitely depends if you have you know uh, extras that you need to do on top of because obviously there's a the fencing session but then ov- obviously i know some people like you know if you if were talking about top athletes they probably do you know one they probably do maybe five days a week they might be doing you know strength and conditioning in the morning and then in the afternoon fencing training so they i think top athletes would probably do about uh four hours um per day five times a week roughly
2: that did would you, be did you do the conditioning um as well then like in addition
1: um so i do try it's it's a bit of a struggle for me i feel at times <laughs> um i mean there was a time when uh so summer camps like camps and things like that i would so you know uh if you're away for a week or two weeks then I would, and then that's when my body feels broken and I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I sign myself up for this? Um, But usually just like normal working week, I I can't really, it's very difficult because if you're working during the day and then you fence in the evening, even if you try and do strength and conditioning in the morning, you're just way too tired because you need to sleep, isn't it? You need to restore yourself. So it's not, I don't think it's um, sustainable in the long run if you're working full-time, if you are trying to do, you know, morning gym and then maybe evening fencing, for example, or whatever sport you do, um, it is quite hard, I think. Um, but then, hey, maybe that's where real athletes are, you know, that's where they achieve those medals. Um, I don't know the secrets to to that yet. So I'm working on that.
2: <laughs> then they would get to sleep in a day as well, right? For, for more recovery.
1: Yeah, for more if, if, they're, if they're athletes, yeah, no. So I think, you know, true athletes, Who are you know um, competing um, in international scene? If they are um, part of their uh, representing, um, you know wherever they are, then yes. Uh, But obviously that only depends if they are funded, isn't it? Um, Or if they're very rich and they have the money to be able to not work and train, which you know um, is possible.
2: I I don't know why there's a stereotype, maybe from old movies. I'm Mm. not sure you get this, where you've got a guy and he he has a lot of gel um, and his hair's pushed back, you know, that posh hairstyle. And he's just like old-fashioned clothing and he has like one hand behind his back. Yeah. And he's like, oh, God, is that this really posh guy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That image comes to head.
1: Yeah, no, I think fencing is a very um, expensive sport. I think, I mean, there's probably other expensive sports around. Um, but I, I say it's expensive because you've got your kits, you know, you've got a mask, you've got your jacket, you've got lamy jacket, another sort of jacket on top of that. You've got an underplash which is another jacket underneath that. Uh, you've got your breeches, your, you know, your white trousers, your long socks, and you've got, the, probably one of the most expensive because it has to be replaced is your sword. So for example, if you are going to compete, you have to have at least two or three swords with you and each sword um, the ones I get anyway uh, and if you want good ones are about 100 pounds so if I go to a competition and I've got three swords with me that's 300 pounds of swords plus the kit where the kit is not cheap as well I think you know one piece of kit like maybe a jacket might be 80 pounds um, obviously that doesn't have to be, be replaced but even for example my my swords um two weeks ago i broke two of them in one week oh that was it you know wow. 200 pounds boom i'm
2: and... sorry for the opponent not, not about your purse <laughs> Okay, like, you know, impaled oh
1: no no oh, no 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 it's, uh, they're, they're all right they're all right maybe a bit of bruise but it's okay <laughs> I, I was crying for my foils <laughs> um but yeah so that's like you know 200 pounds down the drain and so i've got to then replace it um which is obviously, then you've got to, and then you've, then you got to go to competitions. Competitions that might be, you know, local ones, say, like, let's say national ones, are maybe, what, 30, 40, uh, I think about 40 pounds um, per competition. And then you have to travel to the competition. It could be, you know, up in Manchester. It can be up in Edinburgh. Um, so, the, the, and then there's different competitions every week, weekend, shall I say. And back in the old days, you know, um, before the pandemic, that is, we used to be going, you know, at least ooh, twice a month, maybe. Those were sort of consistent if we, yeah, twice a month of competitions, um, minimum once a month. Um, and so, yeah, and then plus the training sessions, it all sort of adds up and it's quite, it then becomes a very expensive sport. Um, and then you start regretting like, oh, why did I start the sport in the first place?
2: <laughs> but um,
1: No, I mean it's good. It's good fun. Uh, I think when you you know you finish work and you you finish uh, you do fencing, you sort of sweat it out. You poke someone, you get your aggression out. Then it all um, comes back. But um, yeah, no, it it is good. Apart from the expensive, yeah. I you know I totally agree with you. This idea of fencing being a sort of um,
2: aristocratic,
1: yeah. And I think even back even now sometimes it could be a barrier for others to to start fencing and i think they are trying to you know um include more uh people uh to the sport whatever background you have um
2: and i mean as you outline it's not too bad like it's not the cheapest sport but it's not like a an expensive kind of like um, hobby like say if you, you're doing like you know personal piloting you're learning how to fly an aircraft
1: that's true yeah the,
2: the petrol costs each time Well, even horse riding is really expensive right yeah like, i think horse riding, riding even yeah. renting the gear costs the same as you buying the, like the whole fencing yep. set it's just renting. yeah and the, the equipment the horse is, is mega expensive to, to mm-hmm. have those lessons um yeah. but it doesn't sound too bad uh, but like, I, I guess like it's one that you really need to have your own kit you you can't really it's you hard to carry. try out
1: yeah, it's hard to. Uh, so you have to be quite committed. Once you've bought your kit, that's it. You know, you if you want to um, make a money's worth of, of that kit, you want to just you want to just fence in it, um, and you don't really want to borrow it as well because you know you're no. stretching it and then you don't want to give it back. It's it's not very nice.
2: We have a, a K1 um, uh, kickboxing coach and his first pair of gloves he bought before his national competition. Wow. <laughs> that's incredible. So he was like using gym gloves and he doesn't really have like uh, too much attachment to actual equipment. So mm. he only bought his gloves before the nationals, which is wow. incredible. Yeah, I- I'm the opposite. I like buying loads of stuff that I'm not good at. But it's just fun <laughs> to have.
1: <laughs> no, I think that's uh, I feel like that's normal. It's like uh, sort of mental preparation, isn't it? It's for you to be sort of committed and try things out as part of the new um yeah the, the idea is a new, new idea
2: is foil like um the faster one out like the three categories
1: no sabers
2: sabers oh, sabers okay.
1: really, really fast they're full works and that's why they don't actually t- they don't get timed um when they do saber fencing you don't time them so in it in foil and epee, you time them but um in a, saber you don't because it's just so quick and uh, so, for example, um, a normal match is maybe a 15 hit match. You, I think you fence up to eight and then you have a one minute break and then you finish off. Um, whereas in four and nepe, you do uh, the longest match you can do is really three minutes times three. So nine minutes worth of fencing, which can go to that um, for 15 hit match. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and th- do you find that the timing to be a bit of a pressure or you usually never reach the timing?
1: It depends. I think it depends on your opponent. It depends on your strategy. So um, there are times where, you know, you're fencing and uh, if you know what to do against your opponent, you obviously you want to quickly finish off and, and just uh, finish the aim. Whereas if you're against a, a tough opponent, for example, and you're trying to work out what to do against this opponent, you might want to delay it as much as possible so you can work out what to do against the opponent. Uh, I remember once, um, I wasn't at the competition, but I remember my coach was talking to one of our teammates. I think he was in the finals of a competition. And my coach said, don't do anything. You know, do not get oh. hit. The aim is do not get hit. And just use those three minutes. Use those three minutes until you know the nine minutes, and that's what he did, and he won. And that's because the tactic against that fencer was that you don't just rush in, because if you rushed in, you would have lost the points. For example. Um, so yeah, I think it depends on on your opponent, and obviously, I think when you're you're fencing or when you're in any sort of game, you just want to win. Um, you've got to sort of keep calm. I think that's that's really important. I think it's quite easy to feel like okay i just want to go in and, and get those points and, and just finish because of the sort of adrenaline and and the um...
2: why'd you lose the point when you rush in from the counter attack?
1: um no so sometimes if you rush in um the other person might be so ready and they're they're ready to uh yeah sort of counter your action whether um... you know and, and you and i think the more personally the more you rush in sometimes you, you don't have a clear mind of what you're doing and you're just doing things for the sake of doing it but actually it might not be the right move to do
0: so it sounds like you sorry yeah.
2: sorry after you Beth.
0: yeah I'll, it this sounds like you've got tons of focus attention concentration you you can't blink you, really because if you blink you're done yeah yeah
1: it can be uh, that way yeah for sure um, and I guess maybe that's why it's as, as um uh, yeah as you say it might be the what second fastest sport isn't it which I didn't know <laughs> Um but yeah it's it's it requires a lot of uh concentration i'd say um and discipline so um yeah
0: but how, but i was thinking when you mentioned the opponent how would you know who your opponent is is it some is just you know something you would know and you'd research about beforehand and see what have they been fighting or
1: yeah yeah Uh, so that's what we sometimes do um especially if for example if you're doing international competitions um you get the so in a local competition you just rock up and you know you just fence um but with international competitions you might see who you're fencing the day before and then you get an idea of you know their style of fencing potentially um and you might think of okay what will i do against this person Uh, because everyone's has their own different style um and so you might get, for example, you know, I don't know, top 50 fencers, you know, 50th fencer might be the first, you know, ranked number one. And it's not because number one is not good. It's because the style of fencing is very different that maybe the first person, you know, who's ranked number one can't deal with, for example. Mm-hmm. So it's about like, you know, different styles and understanding, OK, their strengths and weaknesses and uh, strategically, how do you go about, you know, fencing your your opponent? It's it's a bit like um my I think my coach once said it's it's like it's a bit like physical chess um oh, you have yes. to work out you know what to do you've got to know you know what moves to play uh, against your opponent um if you you know do you want if you you know take the same action it doesn't you doesn't mean you're gonna win all the matches if it you know if you win one match um everyone is different so yeah it's just about understanding okay your opponent and you have a bit of time to work them out even if you don't know them that well uh you might see them fence you know i don't know a match beforehand with someone else or you you know you work them out whilst you're fencing so you know there's a lot of different ways of trying to work them out
0: um but that that would also come after a lot of experience right a lot of practice i mean you've, you've got to yeah. be like a black belt basically yes no, to, definitely to be yeah. at a level yeah. Oh yeah,
1: definitely. I think for any beginner or those who are just trying to compete, uh, just you know for fun, they just they want to develop something that they're good at. Because I think um, you want yeah you you want to practice something that you're good at and then make it better and better and better. And that would be you know your strength. Um, and then you use that against other people and then you win. But the problem is if you just focus on one action, for example, it means that if someone else comes comes along and knows how to deal with it, that's it. You're finished. So um, for me, you know, fencing, you really need to be sort of overall good at a lot of different actions rather than just one action. Mm -hmm. Um, And then because then you can then sort of work out what to do and use various actions against different people. Um, But yeah, as a beginner or someone who's just started, you know, you're just trying to survive and, you know, get points uh, rather than focusing on what to do. Because you're, there's so much to work on, you know, there's so much to think about when you're fencing. It's hard to think that much unless it comes naturally to you because you've done so much of it.
2: Because you don't have a black belt system. How do you know, like, um, what levels people are? So would the club decide that, what level you compete at?
1: Yeah, so we. Um, I don't think clubs usually have sort of exams or, or belts or anything like that. Um, it's just you just compete. So in competition, they would have because the thing is you can't fence yourself, isn't it? So you'd be thinking, OK, well, you'd have a look at a list of um, who's going to be at which competition. And then each competition, like, if you have sort of higher level fences, is a more difficult competition. And therefore, if you compete in that, you might get more points than if you fence, say, a competition that has less um, high level fences, for example.
2: How would they know who's high level then? You have like little star next to your name or would it be advanced competition, beginners? Not quite.
1: So, um, our fences, we're all ranked. So, um, it's right. Well, I guess maybe the first competition we can um, think about is uh, probably the nationals. So, nationals, you know, anyone can join and uh, you probably have some high, quite high, um, what we call NIF points which is basically the points you, uh, they, they basically give us a sort of little ranking, or not ranking, but points to the ranked fences. So the higher a level- A video game. Uh, like a video game?
2: Yeah, <laughs> you get like points for your for your ranking.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, if you're like number one, you might have, you know, a really high uh, NIF point. So if they, if he, he or she is competing, you know that that's going to be like a higher uh, NIF point for example, or if there's quite a few of the higher level fences, fencing, you know, it's going to be a very a good competition. And then you decide whether you want to go or not. Um, and then because if you go and if you do well in that competition, then you will get points for that. And then from those points, you can, can then be ranked, Does that makes sense.
2: Can, can anyone join a national competition?
1: Yeah. And obviously, I think you have to have a sort of a license. Um, Ah, So you have to buy the license, but once you've done that, you've got that. That's it. So, you know, if you guys want to,
2: like, you know, sign up, let's do it. Let's do it. What did you do do (laughs) the weekend? Well, oh, you know, as as you do, it was like, okay, I was free that day, so I did my usual national competition. You know, don't (laughs) ask me about the ranking; it's complicated. It's really complicated. (laughs) (laughs) It will be an epic record. Like, it'd be a good record to actually get last, right? To <laughs> so get I think, racked last. I'll get to get racked last. That's that's quite an incredible achievement. But. I
1: mean, I think, um, I mean, there, there would be like um, those who, you know, have done a bit of fencing at clubs and then they, you know, do competitions. They might have no ranking at all. So they'd be the 999 fencers, i.e., they, the. That
2: sounds cooler be. than it is. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, you know, you're very welcome to to try it out i have to say um obviously i think best to sign up on a beginner course first um have an idea of you know the actual moves get your kit and then just get the license and try a few competitions
2: you know i, I just want to be called a 999 fancy which <laughs> yeah. cool it's like a 007 kind of thing <laughs> <That> too, <yeah. laughs> oh wow that that's
0: uh inspiring um, but you would also have your coach to sponsor you, right? To say, Yes, you 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 qualify for this.
1: Yeah, you well, hope your coach sort of will sort of guide you. And yeah. you know, if they if, if you sort of sign yourself up to you know the nationals, for example, when you're just a beginner, hopefully they'd say, Well, maybe this might not be such a good one for you. Uh, try <laughs> this one instead, you know, not this <laughs> intermediate competition first, um, before you go for you know the the sort of national um, competitions uh, but there are like you know sort of smaller competitions like friendly competitions that they do which i think is, is quite good because i think the whole point i mean obviously you know with training you want to swear you have you want to have good time meet people but also you want to have a bit of a competitive side as well isn't it um, well they call
2: it friendly um but it never gets friendly right <laughs>
1: no I know it doesn't <laughs> um i think i mean to be fair no let, let's be fair i think people are friendly but I think when the the side comes out, I think that could become less friendly. Let's say. Oh,
2: good, good, good. And and are you more like um a counter fighter or are you more aggressive? Do you take the initiative first usually?
1: I'm a counter fighter oh, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I think um, I th- my coach is always saying I have I have to be more aggressive. Um, yeah, I'm not a very aggressive person. Um, I tend I t- I'm more a defense. Yeah. A defensive fencer which in a way is um, not as good because you don't have so much control uh, in the match um, as my coach my new coach has said um, he says you know if you initiate at least you you're in control whereas you know if you're defending you don't know when the person's gonna attack you um, so yeah uh, I definitely think you know if you initiate it's probably yeah you have an upper hand in a way
2: I guess uh, that's why they implemented that gaming system where you have a time, right? Otherwise, you might meet another Rachel, another, like, defensive <laughs> <writer>. Yes, exactly. <laughs> there, wait, exactly. Wait for the first move. Now, I think, um, is it, the Olympics have this a, a system of right-of-way. You, you get a point yeah. deducted if you're too defensive. If, if no. both of you are too defensive, you get a point deducted or something like that.
1: I, I don't know about that, rule, but I, I do know that if you, for example, if you're static and you don't move... And you're not actually, you know, fencing, uh, per se. Uh, for I think it's thirty seconds. Um, they can then go and move into the last period of the three minutes. So they skip the whole fencing, and they and they I think they get a yellow card actually. Um, I can't remember the rules because they, they they I think oh, they gosh. did change it at one point. But yeah, that's non-combativity.
2: Um, where thirty seconds is, I guess, is really long in the nature of that. Yeah, you're just standing there, not doing
1: anything, I think.
2: Yeah. They 30 seconds that. is not long in, say, like, boxing. You're going to have nine rounds or nothing going on. <laughs> very, mm. very, very often. Really? But, uh, yeah, 30 seconds is like, we look at up and down, and there's like 10 seconds, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 30 seconds. That's a really high speed.
1: Yeah, I, I think, well, because if, if they're just standing there and just, you know, sort of maybe beating a bit of the blade and not not doing much, you could, I think the referees get a feel that they're just not doing anything they're just waiting then um yeah they just go straight to the third period of the three minutes
2: um oh,
1: which makes it okay. a very quick game i guess
2: yeah that's it's amazing. exciting you, you blink and and you don't you, you can't really register anything I, I i tend to just rely on that beeping and the lights when i watch the olympics
1: mm, yeah yeah that, that that's really helpful i think for someone who's not actually watched fencing or understand the game of fencing, I think it's very hard for them to, to watch because they don't know what's happening apart from you know lights coming on. Um, even today, I, so I was actually uh, with the kids uh, fencing. So I was refereeing for the kids, uh, helping them out. as a kids-friendly competition. And one of the kids, he's completely new. We just thought we'd just get him you know, to try the fencing because uh, he's only just started doing electric fencing. And the mum comes to me and she says, oh, so what happened? Who won at the end of the game, at the end of the match? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, because he was like, yeah, because my, my son didn't know what happened, you know? And I was like, oh, well, you know, he did really well. You know, the son did really well. He, he scored five hits, you know? Um, but sometimes I think it's it's hard for for someone who doesn't know the fencing, even the fences sometimes, um, if you're quite new to understand what happened, even the rules. You know, you, you just get the referee telling you oh, whether, you know, you scored a point or not. But you might not understand, like, why you scored a point or, you know, what happened. Do
2: you not feel it when you get poked?
1: Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, that, for example, if both flights come on, then you look at the right of way, isn't it? You look at, okay, who started first? Um, was there a contact of blade? And things like that before you can award a point. So for really someone intricate. who... Sorry?
2: It's really intricate.
1: Yeah, no. And I, I think... I think uh, for some fences, you know, you know, you you might think, okay, well, I've hit. That's my point. But wait, wait, no, no, no. Um, the other person started first, for example, or the other person has a right of way. You know, um, and the person who hits thinks, well, but I hit. Like, why did I not get the point? Um, it's there. There are rules to it. And I think it can get very complicated for someone who doesn't know the game very well, or is um, or is watching and doesn't know anything about fencing. Um, but yeah, I think they are trying to sort of get people involved or trying to get people to understand the game. Um, with I think there are like videos on like how you know watching fencing and what the rules of the game, sort of the simple version of how, how to fence or you know, yeah, on the rules of right away.
2: They made it really attractive. I, I remember the the highlights in London 2012. I mean mm. it is a long time ago now, but yeah. um, they, they did the lights. And they had a different mask with lights on the mask, and the whole yeah. uh, the floor was different. Um, mm. uh, it looked like Tron, like really futuristic.
1: Yeah. Did you watch any of it? Like um,
2: only yeah. the highlights. I saw the okay. highlights, and I saw um, the last Olympics. I think uh, Hong Kong did really well. Yes. I saw it on the news and everything. Oh,
1: yeah.
2: They, yeah. So they
1: they uh, the men foilist he got gold. Yeah. Which is basically their second golden medal, I think, in the Olympics. Um, yeah, I didn't watch the, I, I didn't quite watch the, um, the match, but I was keeping in touch with it um, whilst working uh, on my phone, just watching the scores. And I literally was in tears when I when I saw the scores at the nice. end. Nice. It was, um, I think, because it was you know the weapon that I do, knowing that Hong Kong is you know quite small. To be able to you know, come up with a gold medal, it's, it's yeah, because they're key. not
2: very sport centric, right?
1: Yeah, no, no not generally
2: they they're, they're very sport centric in badminton, table tennis, yeah, and then that's it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that is it. Literally, it's a full stop after that. <laughs> they, yeah. they don't um, promote or encourage their sports, but um, he did it through a primary school class. Chenggai yeah. Long,
1: um, yeah,
2: he yeah. did it through a primary school. So his per, both his parents were athletes they're both Mm. basketball players
1: that makes a difference yeah and he wanted
2: to be a basketball player but then he picked up fencing in primary school in their after school mm. class just Mm. like your one and Mm. their school was a bit different like their headmaster was very like forefront um, promoting sports it was it's very much promoting sports because most of the secondary school they think sports is just the rest time yeah it's the recreation or the rest time they would never promote that it's just it like is. away
1: from studying, isn't it? It's not. Yeah, how
2: dare you? <laughs> it's not a waste the, time. Like curriculum. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he, he, he a really good, big superstar. Like getting gold.
1: Oh yeah, that's a really big thing. And now I think everyone in Hong Kong wants to start fencing because of him.
2: They did for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really hard to have the endurance and grit if you're not from a, a city that really promotes sport yeah. much you really have to like you said dedicate time towards it mm. and th- did you ever get like um, wrist pain or anything like when you when you fence?
1: Not the wrist but I did get sort of uh, elbow near the elbow which is weird um, but maybe I maybe it wasn't related to fencing but it did like I, I, I had to stop fencing for a bit actually because of my elbow um, and I, I mean I've been quite lucky in the sense that I, I've never I've not really had touch wood any sort of serious injuries but i know a lot of people usually get knee injuries um and hip maybe knee and hip i'd say or, Other ones. yeah
2: i could imagine hip and elbow because you straighten your elbow you you know a lot of sports say that you should never lock out your elbow but mm. in fencing, i guess you have to because you want to make a full extension right The before yeah
1: when you attack
2: yeah so you're always locking out your elbow in the drills right
1: mm. Yeah. That
2: repetitive strain injury.
1: Yeah, I think that was a repetitive strain injury. And I think, to be fair, it's probably a combination of a few things, you know, on the laptop, on my phone, and then with fencing. doesn't really help. Um,
2: but yeah. yeah. Work is bad for your health. Yeah, point. we should stop work.
1: Or <laughs> 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 on laptops, yeah, or on computers. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, people. I know quite people who had to take out a lot of time to stop uh, the sport at one point just because of injuries. Um, And yeah, there are some on the wrist as well. I I know one or two who had wrist injuries and had to stop for a bit, like maybe six months or so before they can pick it up again.
2: Isn't it quite heavy as well, right? Because of the length of of what you're holding. So there's a lot of strain on the wrist, I thought.
1: Or you're you're
2: trained to hold it in a special way where you don't get that.
1: So the fall is actually quite light, um, I don't know whether it's the lightest or not actually. Um, epee is really heavy. Um, so that's one that that, that could probably um, have an effect on the wrist potentially. But for me, the because it's quite light it's, it's not too bad. It's only if like maybe certain actions you do, um, where you might have to use a wrist uh, a lot, and if you have a very weak wrist, then it might have an effect on on your wrist.
2: Oh, great. Oh, you were saying rankings before. So, mm-hmm. Rachel, you did really well um, before when you, you was competing. What was the best ranking score you had?
1: Um, I think I was ranked sixth at one point.
2: Wow. Six. In my mind, I'm Six. Just like oh. Six.
1: Yeah, in the UK. Is
2: there a weight class? Sorry? UK? Is there a weight class in the UK?
1: Weights cl- uh, you weight mean- class? You mean... What do you mean? So right. you
2: have like men division, women division. Oh
1: no no division. no! so no wait No, it's just all all women. All women.
2: Oh, yeah, wow. seniors.
1: Um, yeah.
2: I so remember. you
0: could be any age. It could be any age. Any yeah, you have better.
1: to be actually no. You have to be over thirteen. Uh-huh. To be in the seniors.
2: Over thirteen or thirty.
1: I think that or maybe thirteen or over. It probably is thirteen or over.
2: Thirteen or over is, is just a person, right? Yeah. <laughs> thirteen and under is just a munchkin, like. It's yeah, exactly. Out. I think that's. what, yeah. Um, yeah. So
1: what they call seniors,
2: yes, and then. Senior veterans, sounds more so. more senior than it is. It sounds like you know you get a haircut, and, and you, you're <laughs> like seventy five or something. Senior. Yeah, senior. <laughs> First over thirteen is a senior know. Yeah, over thirteen. Oh.
1: Um, right. And sometimes you get some really good, like, young young kids coming up. We had, you know, I think in the men's fall, they had uh, one really sort of young kid who did really well. And in the nationals, I think, I don't know how old he is, who came, like, second or something, or
2: oh, wow. in
1: the top medals, anyway.
2: But um, like, he's, like, um, the the kid, he or she, they're really fast right? as a kid. right? yeah. But
1: experience-wise, it would be potentially less than some of the older kids, right? When I say older kids, I'm thinking like, you know, maybe early 20s or late teens, sort of. Because I I think um, there are sort of specific stages where you could really flourish in fencing, um, maybe because of the time, the stage of life you're at, or um, because the, the skills you have, the experience you have, the exposure you've had. Um, they all play a part. And I think those who do well are tend to be, you know, those who maybe just finish school and, they, you know, they're, they're really sort of, you might get quite a few who take a year out and just fence um, so they could do well and, and then, you know, and really make a, a name for themselves,
2: a result. I and mean, that's, that's time well used. And as, especially your club, because they're quite active, right? You participate in competition, like you're saying, like once a month or twice a month. Yeah. The, that competition experience adds on to your actual experience
1: definitely I think you need that as well I mean sometimes I'm thinking oh you know there's so many competitions like why do I do so many but actually if you then count out count loud how many you do you know I might not do uh, I might be doing what I don't know, 15 competitions but like in a year for example but 15 competitions in a year is actually not Many if you think about it, if you really want to do well and we you really want to get experience of competing, because one competition after another would have a different experience. And so the more you do, obviously you accumulate all that experience, which will then help you later on, isn't it? So um
2: you don't become nervous as well, right? Through that experience, because you're oh it's just another competition.
1: This is really weird actually. Um, I, I don't know whether other people go through this but I think I actually get more nervous at times because you, when you become a better fencer, when you think, okay, I know what I'm doing. you know, I, I think I'm, I'm getting better at this sport. And then you come against a fencer. You think, okay, I should beat this person. But then you start losing points and thinking, then you get more nervous because you're, like, you're thinking, wait, I, I should be doing this quite well. I, I should be able to fencer quite well and you're not. And that, ner- that becomes, it's like a fear, I think. A um, self-doubt. Yeah, self-doubt, fear of like losing because you're thinking, wait, I shouldn't lose because maybe I don't know, I'm a higher ranked fencer, for example. Um, but all these but things you just matched
2: I... at the wrong timing with like rising stars. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think sometimes it's just, you know, personally I sometimes find it's easier if the other person is higher ranked than me and I just do my I don't have to think so much, I just do my best, right? Whereas if I'm a higher ranked fencer and I'm fencing someone who might be lower ranked, for example. Then i'm thinking wait i should beat this person and then you know at the start when things aren't going it's always a bit shaky at the start because you know you know you're sort of trying to work out what the opponent's doing it can be very shaky and then when it's shaky and it's not going so well you're thinking whoa you start like you say doubting yourself you're thinking oh wait what should i do what should i be doing you know it does get a bit um
2: is it like in the movies where you talk to the coach after? each match for like a kind of like corner talk
1: oh yeah like feedback I I think boxers do that don't they um yeah yeah, for sure even during the match so when I used to (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. but it's not much
2: time right After, after
1: you've hit you know someone's you know got a point you go back to your on guard line I'd be looking for my coach and the coach might be like you know go attack or you know stronger hit you know or show me like a, a sort of a little action that I should be doing. I'm like, okay, okay, you know, and I just go back and, and, and do it and try and try and do that action. So um you know, the coach is very important I think for I'll give any credit for
2: for giving that kind of clear communication. Because yeah. it sounds like he's only able to fit in a word or two words.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Communication is very important. And I think um obviously after the three minutes of fencing, hopefully it gets to that, you get one minute break. And that's probably the best time where you get feedback and um, on working on tactics, because, you know, during the actual fencing, you probably don't have enough time to think about it. But, um, yeah, there's one minute break usually between the uh, three minutes fencing.
0: Do you know, I've I've, I've never uh, actually seen anyone obese or uh, overweight in fencing especially in movies and on screen or any of the fights I've seen. I've yes. never seen that. Do, do, do you get that? Do you ever have someone who's a little bit overweight or going over to the yeah. beast?
1: You do actually. And uh, there may be social fences, for example, but it's quite interesting because I remember, you know, there was one guy um, <laughs> who was not, you know, it's just bigger, bigger than uh, other fences. I but like it's amazing. Though. It's just like, but it was amazing how much he moved. I was just like, "Whoa, wait, wh- why are you moving? You <laughs> what?" Um, and I think there are people. It, so it really depends. I, I think for there are social friends who, who who have that, and I think you know they just do it for fun, uh, which is great actually. Um, and you do get a lot of people who I know who are sort of maybe uh, quite big at one, at one point, and they completely slim down. Uh, when they started fencing like actually when they started doing intense fencing sessions wow. i know i that.
0: know i know exactly where i'm gonna sign up for <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I, I know i know swords because i was talking to bear about this before we like practicing with our little um uh, little kendo swords. um like i think i can read where someone's a good swordsman just by looking at them but i wouldn't be able to tell a fencer but just by personal, I could tell the the swordsman. I'm not sure if you've seen this, Rachel, but like usually people who like swords and the experts, right? The yeah, they're really really fat and they have long hair. <laughs> yes, I'm not <laughs> they sure about the long, long hair, but because, yeah. because they watch movies like Lord of the Rings and they they like Legolas or that type of character, right? You know which one I what about? You know the 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 medieval. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Where all the guys have long hair and they look amazing, right? So, yes. so they want to, in their head they look like that. And yeah. they, they're usually quite tubby and they got glasses and maybe yeah. a beard, sometimes a beard, but they always have long hair. And <laughs> always quite round. And uh, that's yeah. like your master swordsman. So when it's like, oh the master swordsman coming out, you think like some Lord of the Rings character or some Viking or whatever. <laughs> there's always this fat dude with long hair. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No that's no, true that's no, true' um I've met a, a one of few actually and then actually you know what they they are usually like coaches um or like you say master of the sword. like they are people who might give one-to-one lessons they are people who have already done the sport and they've maybe retired or they're not really fencing anymore so they're just you know teaching for example um I don't know whether if they if that's where they get you know. The belly from, but um, yeah, I, I think, but in general, like, I think the more active, intense fences are not the ones that you, you're, you're thinking of. They're quite oh, slim, yeah. aren't
2: they're like, <laughs> yeah, got massive Fantastic. leg muscles, yeah, like, they have gigantic quads,
1: yes, quads, probably, yeah. Um, I've never really thought of it actually that way, um, but. Yeah, no, they're very active for sure. Um, and uh I would say quite lean lean muscles, I'd say. Yeah. because
2: um, you're always that, that bouncing your, the quads. Yeah, you're bouncing and that explosive kind of dart mm-hmm. forward movement.
1: Yeah. And I think there are like certain like sort of uh body types where it might be more suitable for certain um weapons for example i think you know for example Epe, they're known to have you know maybe tall people doing epe because uh for Epe yes you can sort of hit anywhere on sort of you know on the arms or on the, your hand even and you know if you have a long reach that really helps uh, i don't know many i mean there probably are short sort of epi yes, i don't know but you know you do get a lot of tall people who do epi because that, if you're smaller come.
2: that's probably more advantageous less of a target right
1: um you mean in general for fencing or for epic in general um you would think that but thing is you when you try and lunge you also feel sure the
2: reach is everything
1: yeah the reach is quite important and obviously you get some fencers who you know are really fast so you got you get the um i say maybe don't want to be stereotypical or anything but like maybe the koreans japanese you know they're they're the shorter potentially than for example the russians or the um mm. hungarians for example and um but the asians they're just very fast room you know they go straight in uh, with their attack lunges um uh, yeah and uh, tall people are just a little bit slower in t- when it comes to for example um moving out of the way uh, if you're against someone who's really fast at doing attack lunge. so it's you know there's the
2: th- pros and cons pure reaction game isn't it do you, do you um, like don't close a coffee before you go in the match
1: no, well, I don't drink, drink, drink coffee, so that, that... At, at all. No, I don't. Yeah, that's
2: so good. That's so healthy. Yeah, I, um... I drink too much of it, <laughs> and I get a headache when I don't drink coffee. So I always oh, tell people, no. don't start.
1: <laughs> no, I, I mean to be fair, I probably would have, but it's because um, when I drink coffee, I just can't sleep. I'm very sensitive to coffee, like caffeine, and full stop. So that's mm-hmm. why I just avoid coffee, um, and even tea, I could only just have, you know drink early in the morning wow. and then afternoon I, I can't drink it because i know if i drink it i won't be able to sleep
2: it's one of those uh legal those those legal drugs in competition where you can have caffeine
1: mm. and your reactions
2: mm. will be so much faster mm. and, and you're like awake and, yeah yeah
1: never thought of that maybe i could sh- give that a try next time <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no, You lose sleep. But if i ever got six in anything uh in, in the country i tattooed on my hip you know, like having a certificate on your desk is not good enough. Like I would tattoo that across my forehead. Like, yeah, 600 <laughs> That's amazing.
1: It's. I think it's weird because I think when you achieve something, because I, I think at that time I wanted to achieve be in the top 10, because I think in the top 10 you can then be selected to go to international competitions. So for me, it was like, okay, my aim is top 10, regardless of where I was in the top 10, just top 10. And I think once you achieve that you think oh top ten that's okay well I want to achieve this And so you, and that's what I mean when I say sometimes um, maybe for me or maybe for others as well like when we don't recognize our achievements because we're so focused on the next thing if that makes sense yeah and I think it's so important to then reflect and look back and be like, oh actually I've achieved a lot. I've achieved this I've achieved that and you know that's quite important to celebrate those achievements. Because I think it's quite easy for someone who is trying to aim for something. Once they have achieved that, they then aim for the next thing, and they aim for the next thing, and then you just completely lose yourself in trying to keep you know aiming for for the next thing, right? So, yeah, I definitely think um, always have to stop and sort of look back and sort of stand, sort of where are you now, and just sort of I guess guess be grateful um, and appreciate where you are even if it's like a bad result. So I've had a really bad result before. And I think that's when it really hit me when I had that bad result and I had to take a sort of a um, a month off because I was just, I think so, I was kind of burning out, I think. And I was like, okay, I'm just gonna take a month off. And I think my coach agreed. I think he was like, okay, you need to take a month off. I think, you know, you've got to just t- t- take a step back. And it's only when I took a step back, you know where I just sort of looked back and then realized, wait, you know, I shouldn't be beating myself up on that. I should be looking back at what I had achieved before. And, you know, for someone who didn't even think that, you know, they could go to an international competition, I think it, it was a big thing for me. And I forget those little things are, are quite important, isn't it? So, yeah. So that's yeah. really good
0: advice, actually. That is very good m- mindset because that reminds me of, of a monk I spoke to and and he said the same thing as you did, Rachel. So mm-hmm. are you not a monk? Are you?
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not a monk. It,
0: it, it... This is really good mindset. It was very, very good advice to for self-worth, self-effort, and uh, appreciating oneself. Everything we've done to achieve things to to move forward, right? It, it, it's yeah. it's building up that yeah. uh, willpower.
1: I think it's, and I think for an athlete as well. I think it's really important, or for anyone who wants to pursue, you know, a, a goal that even if they don't achieve it, they've got to think of what, what, where have they got through there? You know, where are they now? Because by focusing on what they want to achieve, they have probably achieved quite a lot already, but they do not realize what they have achieved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's really important to sort of have a look around where you are at times, especially when you're feeling down. Um, so I know a few, you know, we all get those times, I think, um, with whatever sport you do. You know, you've worked really hard. You've not achieved the result you wanted, but actually, you've got to remember what what have you gained from this journey? It's not just about the outcome; it's also about the journey. I think so. Yeah, I think that's um, something to to mention. I, I think it's quite important. I think that's for me anyway. When I do my self reflection, um, I think that was quite important for me.
2: Was there any point in the competition where you met? An opponent that you actually got scared that um you get wobbly because like they have a oh, stronger yeah. presence.
1: time it paralyzes you it really paralyzes at <laughs> times.
2: but wh- why is it because you see their matches before when you was doing the homework or it
1: could be that yeah um and that's why i sometimes like it to not know the fence at all so regardless of who it is i just fence the best i can because when i start knowing like oh this person is like you know really good then I start thinking, oh, oh no, she's going to be really good. And, you know, this person is going to do like really amazing, you know, actions. But actually everyone has their flaws and, you know, they might be good at one thing, but they might not be good at another, you know. Um, And even someone who is really good might still not do well against you because they might be as nervous as you, for example, but they just don't show as much. Um, Yeah, so I remember... Can you read the
2: presents when, when they walk into the match can you can you can you read that
1: my my coach actually says you can smell you know the fencer can smell the fear in you um and he always says you know you just go and you've got to walk in confident you've got to even if you don't feel it you've got to look it because if you look it the other person might feel it you know um and they may have a different sort of sense so i think it's important to sort of um throw your opponent off as well it's all a very psychological game actually uh in fencing because um, you could be very physically fit. Um, you could be so, you know, really skilled at what you do. Um, you might have very good footwork really fast, but you could still lose to someone who has the right men- mental mentality and is not as fit or not as... I say you have to have a minimum skill level, but the as fifty. i say a good 50% mental game. Probably more, I think. Um, some people would say more. Um, but yeah, I think you know you, you you do have to sort of you know sometimes they say you know fake until you make it it's a very similar to that I think because of concept at times um which I think I struggled a bit because you know uh, I'm not very good at hiding I think my emotions or giving you your poker face so if, if I'm like worried or scared about a fencer they probably could tell from a mile away but um but yeah, I guess you learn a lot, and I think the more confident you are, the more confident you feel. That also then affects, you know, your body language naturally, isn't it? And then that's going to affect your game. So, yeah, it's very much a sort of a mental um, uh, mentality. Um, yeah. and you need to be determined as well, as well. And
2: as you say, that like, because of the work um, in the daytime, and then you train after work, mm. you, you're just like tired, right? Because it's not like where you, you can switch up and just let like your body do the work like this one yeah. you have to actively look at things and yeah. react and that have that reaction game and yeah. i'm sure your reaction declines in the day throughout the day till mm. you reach the end of the day i'm sure your reactions go down
1: yeah definitely i think though um especially if you're, if you're working in a maybe office job for example i sometimes i sit quite uh, quite long hours at times and um, when you then start, warm, you know, when you then leave the office, leave work, and you, you go into training session, when you start warming up, when you start doing sort of, you need, um, you want to do so, something sort of more games related, sort of more sort of skills related, reaction related to then open up your mind. Because I think once your mind is sort of switched on, things get a lot easier. Whereas if you you're not warmed up properly, your your body is not quite ready it is a lot harder so the the way you say it's like oh it's really hard but actually if your mind naturally sort of opens up it's actually not too hard um you just do it naturally in terms of you know giving the focus giving the sort of um the mindset it's easy to come to come that way
2: how'd you train your mind um to wake up then when, when you when
1: you oh in. i sometimes take a nap on the bus <laughs> that helps <laughs>
2: that's um, a reset button
1: yeah yeah definitely i that's really important sometimes i talk to people um just chatting uh kind of opens up my mind and i'm a bit more sort of in a happier state and when i'm in a happier state then i could be more it's easier to me to tell myself to stay focused okay let's let's get on train now um and you have to have i guess quite a good bunch of people to train with um because that helps as well. Um, those are the few things, I guess.
2: Do you meditate?
1: No, I don't, no. Uh,
2: the sleeping would be the meditation part.
1: <laughs> if you call it that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I properly nap, nap. Um, it's more just closing eyes, yeah, if you call that meditation.
0: But I suppose the the, the, the fighting art itself, or fencing, is very meditative when you, when you, when you watch it. I know it's fast, but it, it's there's some grace to it right there's there's a flow there's a technique but there's grace and that seems very meditative when you're watching it from outside I'm not sure about when you're doing it you're very alert oh yeah
1: um,
0: meditation <laughs> is also
1: yeah sorry I didn't mean to cut you short with it no I just want to say like I, I don't know about you know on the outside I just know that when I'm fencing I'm just like because I'm not like in terms of fitness for an athlete I'm not very fit yeah. And I'm just, like, panting and just, like, sweating under, you know, under my mouth.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I'm just, like, all the time I'm, like, okay, when is this going to end? You know, I really need my break here. You know? So, um, yeah. I don't that's know how I'm... I'm outside.
0: <laughs> well, th- that's how I'm, like, when I'm sparring with Kay. Um, mm. and, and he's really fierce. And and I and I go through that phase um, <laughs> when he's going <laughs> to end. Scary. because he, 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 Yeah, it's scary because his punches are really, really strong. So... <laughs>
1: Um, I, i'd be scared i think <laughs>
0: we, we should just
2: uh, we should train together <laughs> that'd be <laughs> yeah. quite fun i think we were gonna do that like several years ago but we never got around doing it yeah it'd be fun it'd be fun yeah. are, you, are you coaching um um the younger ones at the club now
1: yeah yeah the little kids but i think um i say coaching but i'm more sort of supervising just because the there's the sort of i guess teenagers who are just learning how to coach and so I just sort of give them tips here and there on like, you know, how to coach, how to take the class. Um, I don't coach often, um, but I do sort of take the kids to competitions. So I help sort of look after the kids in that way and ma- like sort of organize competitions with um, other schools and other clubs and things like that. Oh,
2: well, that's a really good guide.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's good fun. Um, it's good to see the kids uh, fencing and enjoying themselves, um, but obviously you have got to be there if they start crying and you know if they if they lose. So it's a it's a sort of fine balance at times. Uh, when... What
2: do you usually tell them then when they lose and they're crying?
1: Well, sometimes it's it's more like distracting them from the actual scores.
2: Oh, but... you're not like the harsh character. I told you so. I told you. <laughs> no, no, no. I told you. <laughs> I'm, it's kidding, but... I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. Yeah, kidding. <laughs>
1: no, no. Not so much about the scores because they already feel bad. I, I won't, you know. Um make them feel any worse but I would tell them what they have achieved what, what you know what they were doing that was good that maybe you know they might be doing the right action but they might not be hitting for example and sometimes for me doing the right action is not I would say more important but because at that age level it's more important to start learning the correct actions because then later on they could just work on you know hitting for example or being more accurate but if you know if they learn it wrong at the start if they're awkward or if they're not doing things right it's very hard to get out of that habit later on when they're developing so for me it's about doing the right actions at the right time when they're fencing regardless of whether they hit or not um, obviously if they hit that's a bonus that's really good but in a friendly competition for me it doesn't really matter so much although my coach would probably say uh wouldn't say that um but for me for the kids at their age it's about them having fun as about them um, doing the right thing or understanding what the right action is at that time. Because and then they
2: You can't really self train, right? You need like hand holding kind of guidance. You need yeah. a lot of hand holding to get that right.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, later on, you know, if you're we talking about, for example, accuracy or hitting, they can do that practice, you know, against a dummy, you know, at a session, for example. But to actually understand what action to do, and doing it at the right timing, I think that's harder than, for example, hitting on target. Oh,
2: mm-hmm. so right. it's like the decision-making kind yeah. of strategy.
1: Yeah, strategy yeah. and uh, the timing. Timing and fencing is very important um, because one person can come forward to attack. If the other person, you know, steps back and then comes forward and hits, you know, that's a that's a, sort of, I'd say, a, quite a high-skilled level of fencing. You know, you're waiting for someone to attack you, you get out of the way and you go straight in, that's a that's a good that's a good action for example
2: would timing be the physical speed in, in your timing
1: opinion? in terms of what um
2: when speed. to strike
1: yeah what to do so mm-hmm. if someone's coming in you know you can see that the person is about to hit you you move you're able to move out of the way and then go back in again because they've missed then you go in does that make sense
2: yeah it's making it's knowing is like, when to take that opportunity in,
1: so. yes finding that right opportunity um that instinct of like when to to execute an action
0: so you have to take fast
1: yeah that for sure and then you have to also observe what the opponent's doing um because you could be doing the you know the action and then if you're losing your you know you're doing the same action and you're losing points of that action you know, something inside you is telling you this is not the right action to do against this person, p- potentially. So it's understanding, okay, how do I adapt and how do I, you know, change um, with this person I'm fencing, which is why I, very, be, yeah. I was talking to, I was telling that to the kids today. <laughs> um, because I think for them, they don't understand about, much about strategy For them, it's like, well, I've done this in training. I'm just going to do, you know, attack lunge. I'm going to go for an attack lunge. I want to get that point. I want to attack lunge. But actually, when you're, you know, fencing in a a team match, that might not be the right strategy to do. Um, Because, you know, you have a lot of time. You've got to work out your opponent. And I guess they're still young and they don't understand um, much about, you know, the the strategy of the game. Because they're thinking, okay, well, fencing i just need to do this i need to do this action um and so that today i was telling them about strategy
2: oh and that really needs to come with the competition experience right
1: yeah for sure yeah yeah. i think you know and and i think the best time to do it is team competitions because i think individual so if you have just one you know if you're fencing yourself i'm not not fencing yourself but if you're fencing someone and um you know you win or lose you know no one's not many. You get a you know a good bunch of people, kids who you know naturally talented, or they win. You know, you know first competition they go to, they they win their matches. But there's also a lot of people, a lot of kids, they go to their first competition and they lose their matches, and that can be very soul destroying, I think, for for kids. So I think for team matches, when they do it in a team, it's a lot more sort of happier atmosphere. So that's why we do a lot more team competitions for kids. But
2: when the whole team loses. Well, you get free crying kids.
1: Of <laughs> well, sometimes <laughs> you know, but then you see when you get someone coming off, you know, they're not feeling happy, and then you know, sort of like you try, sort of try and encourage the other kid. Okay, well, you know, your your teammate's not not quite happy here. You know, let's let's talk to this, let's talk to your teammate. So I think they learn then also learn to be empathetic. They learn to sort of team build and look after the teammate. I think that's really important. Oh, no, so that's I think really good. It's quite easy for you know someone. I think. I, I've, I've seen a, a lot before, um, where you know you have got uh, one person who is letting down the team. Let's say, and they come off and they feel bad already. And then the other teammates say, "Well, look what you've done." You know, done <laughs> it's about
2: learning to support each other. It's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Take the blame game. <laughs> exactly.
1: So I think you know team matches is, is a great way of trying to encourage children to to look after the team, to really encourage each other, because I think that's a really important. Thing to have later on in life, you
2: know, it's and... ethos for a fencing club. <laughs> I, I never knew what the personality of like because every uh club has this different kind of like personality, yeah, like, yeah. Some of them are more cutthroat,
1: oh, yeah, for sure.
2: More... You is like, oh, yes, yep. your fault if you don't destroy, but that kind of support, uh, that's that's interesting, I guess, with the team side, that's really good.
1: That, that's, I mean, that's our, I guess, principle, our, our way of dealing with it for kids um which maybe is the reason why i'm not aggressive enough i don't know (laughs) but um yeah i think for kids i think it's i think that's really important
2: you you have team karate sorry Um, but you have team karate in karate Hmm. you have like team Hmm. but you don't have team for taekwondo why
1: is that well
2: um because uh yeah it's it's funny that you fencing there's no reason for a team as well right because it's one person against one person mm. yeah the, the the way you have it in the team structure i guess you could apply that structure to all sports yeah yeah and then yeah
1: i think it would be more fun and i think it's it's nice it's a bit like i guess you know i know singles and doubles and tennis you know i think or even badminton singles and doubles uh, I think, you know, when you play singles, you have a different strategy than when you play doubles. I think it's good to have, like, different styles or different way of uh, playing, personally. Uh,
0: do you ever get um, mixed matches? So mixed sparring. So you're going to fight a man.
1: Uh, no, actually. Uh, only training. So training, we 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 don't have much choice because there's uh, a number of people and... Yeah, um, but no, not in a competition. Uh, Unless you're a kid. Sometimes kids' competition, again, if they don't have enough people, they think, you know what, let's just mix all the kids together. But not often. You do have girls and boys separate, uh, men and women separate, just because I think the Bajon makeup is is kind of different because the style is very different. Um, And, yeah, it just makes sense to to separate it.
2: I've seen, like, kids' competition for Brazilian jiu-jitsu where... Um, some of the girls are so good they run out of opponents and they end up beating all the boys up as well <laughs> in the big tournaments wow um, but, yeah yeah that
1: that's
2: interesting do you call it a fight or do you call it what do you call the competition do you call it a match or a duel or
1: um, about offensive bout.
2: You call it a bout, oh. but it, it, if I call it a duel, would everyone in the room start laughing their head off? Kind of
1: no, no, no. I think right. you know what. I think there's probably a difference in, like, for example, America. You know, they might call it a fight or something. Um, so it's just it's just one way of putting it, saying it. But really.
2: about sounds a lot less nerve wracking than a fight. <laughs>
1: yeah. Do you want a fight?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, oh, oh, no, trouble. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <sighs>
2: No. Uh, good no. Stuff. <laughs> I, think, um, I didn't have any more um, um, questions from my side there did you have any?
0: yeah I I, I think we are good but I know you mentioned that about the movies but I, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm just a uh movie a, i guess not a nerd but i just love watching movies and I, I can binge on them and i know one scene comes to my mind which is the james bond one yes he is, is bronson <laughs> that that scene comes to my mind it, was that realistic <laughs> if, if, if you recall that
1: you know what so i don't remember watching much of that but the reason why my mom signed me up was because she watched the James Bond
0: movie and she thought it was really cool. That is oh, wow. the movie. <laughs> so it's uh, Piers Brosnan
1: then.
0: He's the one <laughs> yeah.
2: who's done it. Don't have a him. No. Uh,
0: yeah, it was the, well,
2: a credit to him as well. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. W- was that the best fencing scene that comes to mind though? But...
0: Well, the Three Musketeers had a lot of fencing style wasn't it Um and uh well for some re- fu- funny reason Three Amigos come to my mind but Zorro as well Zorro was classic with, with yeah, his yeah like
2: way more than the James Bond one right like <laughs> yeah. any of them <laughs> but,
0: but the James Bond one was, was typical fencing gear and they are all like in this little boys club basically yes. um, um, Madonna I think was, wasn't that
1: yeah Madonna a brief Madonna.
0: appearance yeah
1: I, no, I, I think so yeah
0: I think she had a brief appearance in there as well yeah. yeah. The, the, I remember there's the Jackie Chan one where he was fencing.
2: With Jackie Chan?
0: Yeah. A really
2: old one. Wow. Really? Mills on I think it's Mills on Wills. Oh, I, yes. I'll find it. I'll yes. Find it. Do you remember which yeah, one? one? Yeah, yeah I, on. I think so. And you and there's three of them, and they're fencing this guy. And that guy's really posh, right? He has that hair and that kind of. Long hair? Part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even that scene was actually not too bad. It was still better than the James Bond one. <laughs> <laughs> But the James Bond one
0: became the inspiration. But, oh, I think that's 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 a beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> they, in, in that James Bond one, he I remember he also picked up uh, not James Bond but the 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 bad guy um, picked up like a samurai sword as well. Uh, <laughs> there was a seed in there, and and it 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 did, I did I remember these pocket. things because I like I like samurais and I like kendo and I like you know, swords. So <laughs> 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 I remember these things. <laughs> <laughs>
2: gosh, that's amazing. I think one thing about fencing, uh, Rachel, do you find that the big restriction is that you can't do it in your backyard?
1: Well, some people have tried, actually. Um, And I think the pandemic has showed us that it is possible (laughs) to do it in your backyard. Um, I mean, practices, you know, against a dummy. And um, and actually, you know, we've had to, to also do that during the pandemic. Um, do it in our in a back garden um we just had things set up because the, you know there are like various ways of you know if you want to do something there, there's probably a way of doing it somehow so you can potentially do it but obviously you know when it's really hot or when it's really cold it's probably not the best place to, to fence.
2: you put it on the floor you can do a footwork stuff or...
1: yeah um or I mean, I, I know a few sort of fencing clubs um, they've had to, during the pandemic anyway, they, they've had to find alternative arrangements and, you know, maybe put a sort of marquee up and sort of put fencing piece down and, and fence, you know, uh, when especially when it, we knew that it was going to be there for the long run. And um, yeah, that, that was one way of doing it. Um, I know a few people who did it in the back gardens. So it wasn't impossible, but just not the um, most comfortable place to to fence. But I guess better Um, than nothing.
2: (laughs) Thank gosh it's back to normal. So you're back to the gym four times a week now or a little bit less?
1: Yeah, yeah. so I'm, well, actually I'm doing three times, three times a week. Um, And actually for me, I don't know, maybe it's just age. You know, when you have like two years of not doing so much, there i've decided that actually yeah three times is probably, probably enough for me um i don't want to tire myself too much i just want to get myself slowly back into it and just enjoy the sport and see see where i go from there really uh, did, you do,
2: did you do any other other sports as well like badminton and you still do your swimming
1: yeah yeah yeah. so uh, i i still do a bit of badminton not much to be fair um i went bordering today uh, bordering is still something I, I do for fun whenever i can um but not many sports only because I think once I've done the fencing it's just I'm really tired so you know if I do three days a week I could probably have maybe two days rest and then maybe um, another two days where I could potentially do another sport but a lot of times I'm just thinking you know what I'm just going to chill and be good to my body and just rest (laughs) but maybe I'll pick it up again and obviously you know there's competitions coming up then that would mean you know four times of you know four sessions of fencing in a way um so yeah no it really depends Uh, i might slowly pick it up a bit more but it depends on how my body feels and if i'm up for it really
2: fantastic Mm. yeah on on that note i think maybe we should let rachel get get some (laughs) well-deserved yeah
0: Well, it's been fantastic Rachel thank you so much yeah, yeah. It's such an inspiration you are I mean you know and everything you would describe I, I think we need to do some training there right <laughs> I think I've been um bouldering with Rachel
2: once before it's a faint memory you might have had. I feel like I've I, might have, I might have bumped into each other oh at,
1: the one in Bermondsey
2: yeah yeah, 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 but that's yeah. Like you should never do anything bad because people always catch you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the world
1: is small the world is small
2: <laughs> yeah oh good yeah with the biscuit factory i think that's closed down probably. yeah it's the arches or something like that
1: oh
2: yeah, they've it, merged into it, one isn't it yeah, yeah. No, just, oh yeah I, i've not kept up with it to be honest
1: no, I've, I've started going somewhere more, a bit more local. So, I've thought, yeah, I've moved somewhere else. So. Oh,
2: convenience is everything in training, right? Yeah, because the commute <laughs> takes like heart yeah. energy and kind I of think takes oh, dedication definitely. points to get there.
1: Definitely, yeah. So, oh,
2: good, good, good. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks for having me.